Stakeholder capitalism is the new buzzword for business practices that aim for more than fat profits and high stock prices. But what else really matters, you might ask? Well, when we come back, we're going to find out. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah hassel Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, really interesting guest for you today. He's John Filoni. John is an author, entrepreneur, speaker, investment expert, and the founder and CEO of Stock Squirrel Inc., a new fintech that democratizes stock ownership. Now, with my earlier reference to stakeholder capitalism and his background in Wall Street, you might be thinking he's going to give us some hot stock tips, but actually he's going to do so much more than that because you see, John is a best-selling author who addresses the hubris of misguided leadership and explores inspired leadership. He's got a new book out called The Covenant Secret, an inspirational tale about uncovering the seven master keys of wisdom and wealth. So I can't wait to get smart about this. I'm curious what these master keys are and their connection to business and stakeholder capitalism. So welcome to Business Confidential Now, John. Thank you very much for having me, Hannah. Well, I understand that your new book, The Covenant Secret, is about a fresh out of school business school hotshot with a startup company who is intensely focused on money. Now, since this show is for smart entrepreneurs, and I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who can identify with this young man, and because generating revenue and profit is kind of pretty important to business, so what are these seven master keys and and how can they help my listeners? Yeah. So, you know, first of all, one of the things that led me to the book was first, it's that money versus people question. And, you know, what is business about? And a lot of people will say money. But the bottom line is even to have access to money, it's through people. So people is always the answer. And found out that in my business experience, people are treated badly for a lot of reasons. And the ultimate given is it's business. And even companies that say that, you know, their greatest asset is their people have policies in their company that designs for the lowest common denominator of human behavior rather than trust and respect. And that's why I pursued this book with the, the seven, you know, the master keys and those principles are universal principles in regard to people. The first one being for sustained relationship success. And it's always about the relationship with people, right? Rather, even in stakeholders, whether it's your shareholders, customers, employees, vendors, partners, the community where you do business, it's always, it always has to do with relationships. So the first principle is for sustained relationship success, do and say to others what you would like having done or said to you and do not say or do to others what you do not like having done or said to you. Basically the golden rule, which works always. Number two, that for which you show gratitude increases. So, uh, you know, Meister Eckhart, the great mystic said, If the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. Uh, Plato said a grateful mind is a great mind, which eventually attracts itself to great things. And a universal law is uh, that which you pay attention to expands. So we got to take the good things that are going on, show gratitude for them and expand them to serve people. The third principle is to serve people optimally, discover what they value And everybody is going to, every one of your constituencies is going to value different things. And it it behooves you to find out what those things are. 
to serve those principles, to serve those needs. The fourth one is honesty builds trust. Trustworthiness is the foundation of character. Character determines the fruit and pleasure of a relationship, which is common sense. Five, the ability to influence others is the most valuable relationship asset. Demonstrated integrity determines the extent to which such influence is granted. Again, makes sense. It's a universal law. Six one is passion plus compassion moves mountains, and it behooves us to find out what uh, all of our constituencies are passionate about and to help them fulfill those passions, which will help us fulfill our own. The seventh one is what you believe determines what you think, how you decide, the actions you take, and what you accomplish. So it behooves us to take an inventory of the things that we believe in and see if, if they serve us now in our goals and objectives in life. So those are the seven principles. Wow, there's a lot there. Yeah. And you know what I found? I was looking for the the perfect, the best relationship principle. And I found that the best relationships, not only in business, but in the professions, is the professional client relationship. And what I mean by that is that's a covenant because, you know, we can go into a store and be served by a clerk. But you go into a lawyer's office or a CPA or even an executive executive's office, that professional client relationship puts you ahead of your, you and your needs ahead of mine and my own. And within that professional uh, client relationship is that covenant. And again, if we can bring that covenant, that professional client relationship of serving the needs of others to such a, a fiduciary kind of responsibility, relationships with all stakeholders will be that much better. Well, I hear what you're saying, and I'm going to be a little contrary here, John. But that sounds like a lot of work. And can a small business (laughs) and a startup afford to do that? Absolutely. Not only afford it, it should be the most important thing you do because, again, a business has to have customers. And within your constituencies of a different customer, you're going to find that they have different needs. And if you're not going to take the time to really build that relationship with your customer and find out how you serve them best, then it's just not going to work. And the same thing with with your employees, same thing with your investors and your partners and vendors. That time and that work is monumental to determine the, the success of your enterprise. Okay, I'll buy that. It makes a lot of sense. But you know, like the quotations that you had before when you were talking about the different principles and, and sort of their genesis and their, their origin, that wasn't something that happened last week or last year. I mean, they've been around for a long time. So, you know, why does this need to be repackaged as stakeholder capitalism all of a sudden? Isn't that interesting? That's exactly right what you just said. These are universal principles, always existed and they always work. Interestingly enough, I wrote this book many years ago and on treating all stakeholders with these principles. And it used to be in our capitalism was that the shareholder was paramount and everybody else is secondary. Here's what I found that's very interesting. The shareholder is still paramount in that that's the only one in a business that you have a fiduciary legal responsibility to. However, especially in today's world where customers and employees are picking companies that have the same values as them, it's really important to find out 
what these things are in order to best serve. And so when you're actually serving the stakeholders and all these stakeholders in stakeholder capitalism, that's the best way ultimately to serve your shareholder. Consider that the shareholder and the investment itself is a scoreboard. Well, you can't on the field playing the game you can't pay attention to the scoreboard. That doesn't get you any anywhere. What you have to pay attention to is your interactions with these other stakeholders. And then you get the best score in the scoreboard and you best serve the shareholder. So it's, it is a very unique packaging today since we are paying attention in a very significant way, especially with the millennials and Gen Z coming up here that really care about the companies where they are going to work or the companies whose products they are going to buy, about the values they share regarding the treatment of all of the people who are part of a company and part of the business that they're in. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, I'll buy that. And I especially like that comparison to, you know, just keeping your eye on the scoreboard, you kind of you know, you're going to get tackled. I mean, you got to watch what's happening on the, on the field, right? Yeah. So, you know, what's been holding people back from paying more attention to what's happening on the field instead of just looking at the scoreboard? Because, you know, every quarter rolls around and for a lot of businesses, they're looking every week, every month. I mean, there is this tremendous numerical pressure. And, you know, you understand coming from, you know, that financial world, it really doesn't go away. So, how do they kind of shift things around? I think the market is shifting for them. And if they don't pay attention, then their businesses are going to have problems. And what I mean by that is, like I said, the new generation of millennials and Gen Z are coming up, are paying close attention to the companies that they either work for or do business with. So if you are, and why this is very, very important today is who is determining this change from shareholder capitalism versus stakeholder capitalism, are the, primarily it's coming from the customers and employees from the millennial and Gen Z generation who are not going to buy products from a company that they don't share values with and are not going to work for a company that they don't share values with. So I think the market in the world is changing the business world and defining what stakeholder capitalism is and what should be and should affect the decision making for executives. Well, somebody's got to work at these companies. So, John, help me understand this. What's a good way for an organization to share their common values? And, you know, don't give me the mission statement thing, because you said earlier that too many companies create policies for the lowest common denominator, which really isn't that cool. So how are they going to really walk the talk? You know, there has to be a congruence and there has to be an authenticity to it. I'll I'll never forget years ago when Sean White, the snowboard king who won his gold medals in the in the Olympics. It was in Fast Company magazine. He's on the cover. And the interview was having won his gold medals. He was asked why that there were like 20 plus companies that had offered him endorsement deals and he only took like two or three endorsement deals. And they asked him why. And he kind of looked at them like they had two heads. And his answer was, it's because I use their products. You know, it used to be years ago, you pay Michael Jordan, uh, you know, a million dollars to say this is the best coffee cup that exists. That would have that would be enough. But nowadays it's authenticity. 
So you can send out press releases, but if you're not walking the talk with your customers, your employees, the way you treat partners, vendors, shareholders, the, the community where you live and the planet on which you do business, then those things uh, have to be synchronistic with what you're preaching. So yeah, in today's world where information is spread very, very quickly, you must be authentic or you will be found out. So there's no faking it anymore. Exactly. Absolutely. That's the best way to put it. You can't fake it nowadays. And then you've got, you got to learn better ways uh, to do this. I mean, like we did a search at, at Stock Squirrel of like, like 200 companies where millennials and Gen Z do most of their shopping and, and spending of their money. And we really looked in depth at uh, their websites and what they're doing in ESG on how they're, you know, which has to do with global warming, how they treat the, um, their employees, customers, et cetera. For an example, we found that a company, McDonald's of, of all people, a huge company with tremendous resources is doing so, so many things for the environment, for their employees, for their communities in which they serve, but yet no one knows about it. So there's not only walking the talk, but you've got to be better at making sure that you get that message out in a coherent way and where it really will resonate with your future customers and employees. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So what's a good way to get the message out in order to connect with those stakeholders? It has to be throughout the company. It has to be, you know, again, the message will get out there if you uh, the way you're treating your employees, uh, I mean, that's easy to find out. The way you're treating your customers, the, the way your product makes a difference in the world, the way the, you know, the sustainability policies that you have in your company to address global warming and all that. And I think best way, and again, you've got social networking, you've got uh, so many ways of communicating, but it happens in the grassroots. It happens in the street. It happens with every employee. It happens with every customer. Again, because word spreads so quickly. It's just being very, very uh, congruent and authentic in the way you treat all these different kinds of people in these different constituencies and letting the world know that, letting them know that on in the, in the social networking world, on, you know, whether it be on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, in sharing the stories of your customers and, and employees, et cetera. You know, I remember it was a couple, few years ago, a couple of years ago, there was a press release out from Starbucks where they had spent $25 million in, in helping out a farm or two in Brazil, a coffee farm. And it was a typical uh, press release that was done in legal speak in a PR, you know, a PR release that they did this. And Wall Street does not care one iota where you spend $25 million. However, if they took that story and put it out to the Gen Z market, to the uh, millennial market, well, you know what? Those customers and employees really care that you were, uh, were diligent enough to help out some farmers in Brazil. So you have to get better at making sure that you package your stories and your actions in a better way to make sure it gets to the audiences where it will resonate. Fair enough. So let's take this down to some real grassroots level. Let's talk about Main Street. Let's talk about the bootstrap startup. What advice do you have for them to engage in stakeholder capitalism? I go back to the seven principles and to make sure 
that in every one of those constituencies, every one of those stakeholders, when you're starting your company and you have investors, you have employees, you have your product and you, you have customers, you have the communities where you're doing business and, and you have the, the planet which we all exist on, is to make sure that within all of those constituencies, you're applying the seven principles and to be authentic and not to fake it, but to really care in applying those principles across the board. Because again, it's not about money. You've got to concentrate on the people aspect of this for every one of those stakeholders in your business. And to really, you know, the, the one word, we, we all experience it, whether it's we get on a phone, we're trying to solve a problem with our cell phone or a product that we bought, and we get thrown around on the phone to machines and all, all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, that's not treating people properly. That's not treating people the way we would want to be treated. So you've got to pay attention to each and every one of these principles and make sure you're applying it across the board in an authentic way. And that word that we always, that pervades uh, good relationships. And again, it's whether we get that person on the phone to solve our problem or in a store, we come across that person behind the counter that helps us. That one word that we really have to find to have the people that work for us is the word care. They really should care about what they're doing and, and to solve problems, the better your company is going to be because there are going to be problems. And to really care about how your customers feel, how your employees feel, and to pay attention to that. So especially in today's world, applying those seven principles to all of the stakeholders of a business in a startup is really, really critical. Well, I guess the advantage that a, a startup or a small business has is that they have more of a clean slate to start with. They're not dealing with a lot of legacy type issues. But I'm curious, John, in your experience dealing with maybe mid and larger size organizations, do you believe that all of the leaders really have the wherewithal to genuinely care? Well, isn't that the ultimate question? And the if they don't care, don't hire them. And if you're finding out that someone on your team isn't a, a caring person, and I mean just a regard for all of the aspects of, of relationships, then they're going to harm your company and you, and you have to get rid of them. So, you know, people are going to have to either play the game with care or the market itself is going to blow you out. Because, again, the generations that we have of the millennials and Gen Z can smell that authenticity a mile away. And it behooves the entrepreneur to make sure that they are hiring people that really do care and have the values that you and your company are trying to promote in, in, into the marketplace. It's really, really critical in today's world. Fair enough. And you know that you're right and as far as the legacy and the, and the treatment of people uh, in today's world, too. I'll give an example. And this came from a concept that came out of Silicon Valley. But even when I became CEO of a technology company prior to starting my own, one of the first things I did, again, I want to promote authentically trusting my employees and respecting them as individuals and adults. So the first thing I did was I made unlimited paid vacation time unlimited paid sick time as well. And isn't it interesting when you treat people with that respect and trust, you actually have to force them to take a vacation. When you give them that fiduciary responsibility as an adult 
with the trust and respect, they actually embrace it. So the world has changed in that regard. Like I said at the beginning of this, we typically have policies for the lowest common denominator and treat mistreat all of our good people in expectation that they're going to be behaving badly. Well, you switch that around to say, okay, I'm going to trust and respect all of my people, and the policies are going to be for the anomaly of bad behavior, and we'll address that when it happens. But otherwise, we are trusting and respecting our people. And it's amazing how when you do that with people, they return it. Good to know. But I think some people are still going to be reluctant to have unlimited whatever. (laughs) I agree. But you know what? Those are the companies that are going to shine. Those are the companies that are are going to attract the good people. Those are the companies that are going to attract a customer that has the same values and cares about those issues, which is happening more and more today. Understood. In the short time we have left, John, what, in your opinion, is the single most important thing you want business owners and leaders to know about stakeholder capitalism? It's treating every individual in every one of those constituencies with the seven principles. It's finding out their needs. It's sitting down and finding out their passions and be compassionate to them within each one of those stakeholders, whether they're your investor, whether they're your employee, your customer, your partner, your vendor, uh, everyone cares, every one of those constituencies cares about things that are different from the other other constituency. And it's up to you to find out what that care and concern is and to serve it and facilitate it and make it really work that the onus is on you to find that out and that's what makes a stakeholder capitalism better and it also interestingly enough it does a better job for the shareholder ultimately in the end excellent well john thank you so much i appreciate your time and helping us learn more about stakeholder capitalism and why it's smart practice to engage in so if you're listening and you'd like to learn more information about john filoni his firm stock squirrel inc or his latest book the covenant secret an inspirational tale about uncovering the seven master keys of wisdom and wealth that information is going to be found at the show notes on businessconfidentialradio.com please be sure to tell all your business friends about the show and leave a positive review. The more you dive into all of our past episodes and follow the show, the more you'll be able to see the issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line and be able to start using those tips and strategies to grow your business and be more successful. So thanks so much for listening to Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelschner. Have a great day and an even better tomorrow.